like a shark fin. Yeah. Deepest blue is my hat is like a shark fin. Uh. Deepest blue is my hat is like a shark fin. Let's see. Beer in tow? Check. All my podcast gear? Check. Topics? Check. Ready to cut loose and go for the jugular on a lot of topics in wrestling? Double and triple check. What is up, people? This is the Shark Attack. I am yours truly, Sean Williams. We've got a lot to cover, and I'm feeling pretty uh, antsy for this Friday night. So with that being said, people... Let's do a mic drop. Let the battle commence! The Money in the Bank matches are officially set. For the women, we have Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, and now, as of this week, Sasha Banks. Let's be honest, people. Did we really think that they were going to do a women's Money in the Bank match and not have Sasha or Bailey in it? Well... Obviously not both, but one of the two. And frankly, I think this would be a huge benefit for Sasha Banks if she did win Money in the Bank. Not only because it would get her back on track, but also there's plenty of room for her to actually go heel with having that briefcase. And let's face it, one of the times where Sasha was at her best was when she was a heel in NXT. And I get it. She's popular and it'd be damn near difficult to actually turn her heel or, and get the crowd to hate on her. But, hey, it wouldn't hurt to at least give it a shot to have her go heel. I mean, come on, what have they got to lose? You could just call it the opposite effect of Roman Reigns, where no matter how hard they try to get him cheered, he just gets booed. Which, side note, he was actually off this week. And guess to spend time with family was what the reports were. And you know what? Hey, he probably works as many, if not more, dates than everybody else. So it was probably bound to happen at some point, and I don't think the crowd was really missing him. Elsewhere, with the men's Money in the Bank match. So, bad news is, we did not get Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe like we were hoping for. Why? Because the... Seven-foot-tall kidney stone, that is, Big Cass, intervened. Apparently his leg is healed up. And he showed up and injected himself, making it a triple threat match. But there was some good news out of it. Is that Samoa Joe ended up winning the match, and now he's going on to Money in the Bank. So as it stands right now, it's Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens... One of the New Day, which they've yet to announce which one it's going to be. And now, Samoa Joe. So, I gotta say this. Just as I think that Sasha Banks would benefit big by winning money in the bank, Samoa Joe would greatly um, benefit from winning money in the bank. And sneaking up on a guy, cashing in, and then winning the belt... It just screams something that Samoa Joe would do. And I really would, really would not be surprised if that's exactly what we get. And of course we got on the rest of the card for Money in the Bank. 
AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match with the WWE title on the line. Carmella defends the SmackDown women's title against Asuka. Nia Jax, who it seems her face turn has come to a quick stop. I mean, that's the way it looked during her match and kind of promo with Ronda Rousey kind of mocking her. Which, I'm still on the fence on whether that was a good or a bad thing. Roman Reigns is scheduled to face Jinder Mahal. The Bludgeon Brothers will face Luke Gallus and Carl Anderson with the SmackDown tag titles on the line. And as of, and officially, the, as of this week, Sami Zayn will, challenge, or will face Bobby Lashley. And Seth Rollins will defend the Intercontinental title against Elias Sampson. Yeah, I know he just goes by Elias now, but hey, the whole one name thing has gotten old to me, and I'll still call him that just as I can't bring myself to call the War Raiders or the War Machine the War Raiders. I'm so and clearly the NXT crowd, they feel the exact same way. And you know, I got to say this for WWE. If it's because you don't have the rights to use the name War Machine, why don't you try actually seeing how much it would cost to do it because war raiders come on it's almost as it's almost as bad as when you tried to give the american wolves different names the american pitbulls my butt and you know going back to the Sami Zayn versus uh bobby lashley match that brings us to the next segment who's in charge over there this is aggravating me now what i can't count on you people so they had Sami Zayn come out and do some kind of so-called apology over the segment last week or two weeks ago with Bobby Lashley's quote-unquote sisters. Now, was this segment bad? <laughs> well, wasn't good, but it's also impossible to be worse than that damn segment from a couple weeks ago. That, Although, in retrospect, and I think this was said best, Nothing is going to be worse than that, than the Kate Vick segment. And if you don't know what that is, trust me, if you actually are a wrestling fan and you've gone all these years without ever seeing that, that segment, believe me, you're better off. And it's probably for the best that you never, ever look that up on YouTube and watch that again. Because that had to be one of the the absolute worst thing that I've seen WWE ever produce. And I've seen plenty of horrible things as a wrestling fan over the years. I've seen TNA do a mock jackass kind of angle with Sanjay Dutt and Chris Sabin. I've seen the Kate Vick angle. I've seen two people dressed as Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in a wrestling match along with a guy doing a very horrible impression of Bill Clinton, I've seen a guy decked out like George W. Bush and get robbed by crime time. I've seen the big boss man force-feed a quote-unquote pepper steak that was supposedly Al Snow's pet dog to him. I've even seen the Three Stooges doing one of the most horrible segments, including a bad Hulk Hogan impression, and... I've even seen a tag, a supposed tag team match between Vincent Shane McMahon against Shawn Michaels and God. 
So believe me, I've seen horrible in my years as a wrestling fan. And this one definitely makes the top five, if not top... Oh, screw that. It makes the top three. I mean, there's just nothing that's going to ever top that one. But I've been wrong before. And we got somewhat of a mean streak out of Bobby Lashley, where he shook hands with Sami Zayn. His smile fades, and he crushes Sami Zayn's hand. I gotta be honest, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do with Bobby Lashley. I mean, you're trying to make him this goody-two-shoes, all-American hero, muscle-bound guy? It's not gonna work. How can it work? I mean, you tried that with Lex Luger, and boy, did that bomb... Then again, you do that whole Lex Express thing, and then you pump the brakes at the last minute and decide to have him win by countout at SummerSlam, and that pretty much killed any momentum. I hadn't seen a momentum killer like this, like that since WrestleMania Five, when the Powers of Pain didn't win the tag team titles from Demolition. You know, now back to say what I was talking about with Samoa Joe and the possibility of him winning Money in the Bank. You have a, quite a few possibilities here for the men's money in the bank. Braun Strowman on Monday made, had made his point clear that he win, when he, if he wins money in the bank, he's calling out Brock Lesnar, and he's gunning for him. That could easily be one way to get the belt off of Brock, something that is much needed. But at the same time, Samoa Joe has not gotten one bit of championship gold since he moved up to the main roster. And I think you're depriving the potential in having Samoa Joe as the top heel on SmackDown. Given, you also could easily have The Miz win Money in the Bank, cash in on Styles, and also become the champion. I'm not opposed to that idea either, because The Miz has become seasoned, experienced, and has a great deal more potential as the top heel champion than he did in his first go-round. Why? Well, because now this time he'll actually have to do it on his own. He doesn't have an Alex Riley. He doesn't have the Miz Taraj. Maurice is sure as heck not coming back anytime soon now that she's a mom. So, things are different this time around. And just when you thought that this deal with Fox couldn't get any better for the WWE, it was reported this week that in 2019, NXT will start to air on Fox Sports 1. See, this is why this deal has some benefit to it for the WWE. Exposure. They have a lot more exposure now than they ever could with USA. And NXT being on TV, on cable TV, will will draw. I mean, there's no way that it can't. And speaking of NXT, it looks like... I questioned how how the women's division in NXT right now, if it's, if it's become depleted, because we've seen a lot of talents in that division move up to the main roster. Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan... Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Ember Moon, Shayna Baszler, and Mandy Rose. All of them moved up, given. Some of them haven't really 
spent much time in there to really establish themselves, but it happened. So I asked on the fa on my Facebook group, has has the w women's division been de badly depleted? Shout out to my friend Patrick who said this, and I and I quote, and no, I'm not trying to copy Michael Cole when I say that, God forbid. His answer was, I wouldn't say that. Sure, there were a lot of them who moved on to the main roster, but keep in mind that Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan were hardly being used before their call-up. The Iconics were missing in action on NXT TV, as well as when they got their call-up. And I think this perception is due to the fact that there are so many new faces in their women's division now every week. You still have some pretty good workers to contend with Shayna Baszler. You have Kyrie Sane, Nikki Cross, Bianca Belair, Dakota Kai, who Patrick has said she's got so much potential, not like screwed up Bailey potential. And we're not even counting the future additions of Tony Storm and Io Shirai, arguably the best female worker in the world. Diona Perazzo is allegedly signing with WWE as well. I think it's just a bit of a transitional part, but it's going to pick up in no time. The guys are going similarly through the same process to a lesser level, a.k.a. the mid-cards. End quote. Now, I actually agree about, I mean, in terms of the guys going through a different transitional period, but you have the new mid-card belt, the North American title, to kind of help cushion the blow of that, the amount of talent that they've lost. Plus, there's quite a few talents in the main, or the, the guys' roster for NXT. I mean, undisputed, they're getting red hot. You still have Aleister Black, and, and you just have, and of course, let's not forget Ricochet. And I'm sorry, and here's, a, here's something that I caught when I was listening to uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, where he's talking about how he saw NXT, and he just saw so much potential in Lars Sullivan. I'm just going to say this with all due respect. Why? What potential is there in Lars Sullivan? I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He's just another musclehead. Give him, he's basically Brackus with a shaved head and a beard. And how many times I gotta say it, where Ezekiel Jackson, Brackus, <laughs> Vladimir Kozlov, Snitsky, they're all just a... Or Nathan Jones, there's another one. They're all just muscle heads, but in terms of charisma or any real potential that could be some somehow of value, it's nothing we haven't already seen from this type of wrestler. And what is with guys like him always doing the same chokeslam-like move? There was one time where Kozlov, where Vladimir Kozlov and Ezekiel Jackson were doing the same freaking move. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, why, why on earth do you think that this, that this guy has any potential? And I would be stunned if you actually if you actually had him 
take the belt from Alistair Black. Oh, and speaking of, oh, I was going to say, in terms of talent they got on NXT, for the men's side for NXT right now, let's not forget Johnny Wrestling himself, Johnny Gargano, and arguably probably the biggest heel that NXT has had ever, Tommaso Ciampa. Seriously, I don't think there's any guy in NXT that's probably more hated than Tommaso Ciampa. The only thing I'm puzzled about is, why is it a street fight? I mean, wasn't that kind of what their last fight was at TakeOver New Orleans? And let's see. And of course, a shout out to my old buddy, uh, Travis T5 Smith. He also commented on this saying, saying, nope, like Patrick said, a lot of the girls that were there were, for, were there for a long time have finally moved on. Now the NXT roster is full of new faces, minus Nikki Cross, that need to be developed. Shayna Baszler, Dakota Kai, Lacey Evans, Kyrie Sane, Bianca Belair, etc. Plus they have a bunch we haven't heard from off camera. And some new incoming students, so NXT isn't depleted, they're just fine. Okay, so I can I can understand those statements. I mean, I think, yeah, it's in a transitional period, but I also think that I mean, right now you have you haven't really established any any of them to that level to where they could be contenders against Shayna Baszler. I mean, right now the only one I could see being a legit contender is Nikki Cross, which watching her in that one segment, one that one segment with. Nikki Cross and Shayna Baszler, where Baszler got out of the ring and was walking away, and Cross runs out to snatch the title from her and gets back in the ring holding it. See, now I'm getting why Nikki Cross wasn't moved up to the main roster along with the rest of Sanity. It's because Nikki Cross is able to stand on her own. I mean, it's in a way sort of similar to how to how um, when Enzo and Cass were moved up to the main roster, Carmella didn't come with them. That they wanted to establish Carmella on on her own in NXT, and I think for the most part that's worked. I mean, if you want to talk about what about when they've had James Ellsworth with her, nobody's perfect. Oh, and speaking of which, to Enzo Amore with his little rap video where he's bashing the accuser or his accuser of assault of sexual assault to Enzo shut up it's like you're bitter hey you you wouldn't maybe WWE would have given you another chance if you hadn't already pissed off everyone else you pissed off all the wrong people including higher upper management so you pushed them to the point where all they needed was an excuse to get rid of you, and you gave them one. And not it's not just the act itself that you were accused, it's the fact that you tried to play it off like it was nothing, and they didn't find out about it until the day of their anniversary show, which they'd already been hyping like crazy at that time. So, Enzo, take some freaking responsibility from what, for once in your life, and understand that while if if this girl was lying then yeah you got a reason to be pissed off but also is the fact that 
if you just got off scot-free for whatever reason and you were in fact guilty of it, you got yourself to blame. Now, I don't know the full story about any of this, but the bottom line here is, Enzo, move on and try and get your life back in order. And maybe, just maybe, if you actually learn some maturity for once in your life and stop acting like some hotshot punk who's like the top, the biggest thing in wrestling since Bruno San Martino in his younger years, when in fact, <laughs> you're nothing more than a <laughs> hotshot Miz that was getting lap dances by an oily fat guy. So, Enzo, don't quit... <laughs> If that's your day job in rapping about your accuser, then please quit your day job and get a new one. Because, because whether you like it or not, wrestling fans have moved on without you, and they don't exactly miss you either. So instead of trying to trade insults back at the one that accused you, how about you actually try and get your life back in order and get your career back in sorts? Because right now, any any attempt to try and play out play out the victim card right now, it's just gonna fall on deaf ears and it's just gonna look sad and tragic. Much like your wrestling skills. One thing I gotta say about the raw roster, or, or certain things on the raw roster, is about the tag team of Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. There's, there's great potential and somebody that I would call the future in that little duo. Just one problem. It's not Dolph Ziggler. It would be Drew McIntyre, and everyone else is seeing that too. I mean, he, he was, or Michael Cole was quoted in saying that he doesn't, that Drew McIntyre doesn't want to be the chosen one again. <sighs> Thank God. Let's face it. His first WWE run when they called him the Chosen One, that was a death sentence for him. They were talking like he was a soon-to-be main event player but at that time, but even he admits that he, that was just bad for him. Now, I've been a fan of Drew McIntyre for a long time. I have saw tremendous potential in him even back in those days. He's gained so much more experience, more skill, and you give him that mi that microphone and let him cut a promo his way, the guy's a freaking Picasso. I mean, the guy can just work magic on that microphone if given the chance. And his instead of the Future Shock DDT using the Claymore for a finisher, that's a brutal-looking move. And more power to him for doing it, but... Him and Dolph Ziggler are eventually going to split up, and that's all there is to it. We all know that, that it's coming. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. And for Drew's sake, I'm hoping not too much longer. So, like I said, officially made this week is Elias Sampson challenging Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental title. You know, I was saying that at some point you have to have Elias chase after something and feud with somebody. And 
having him challenge Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental belt, I have no problem with it. Not just because at least you're doing something with Elias now, but it's also because of the fact that (laughs) Seth needs some competition. I've said this time in and time out. Championships are only as good as the competition that you have. And you're kind of running on fumes because you can only have him face Seth Rock, or you can only have Seth face Finn Balor so many times. All right, that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Brian H. Waters, co-host of the Wrestling Realm and the host of Break It Down with Brian H. You're listening to The Shark Attack with Sean Williams. Shout out to my good friend Brian Waters. He, of course, hosts Break It Down with Brian H. And, of course, is the co-founder of of The Wrestling Realm with another good friend of mine, Dwayne Allen. Make sure you check out both The Wrestling Realm and, of course, Break It Down. It's quite simply wrestling knowledge personified. So, appreciate the plug from from Brian. Alright, let's get back to it. So, elsewhere with all with all in, Nick Aldis, the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion, made this ultimatum for Cody Rhodes that he would defend the NWA World Title against Cody on the condition of if Cody wins the Ring of Honor World Title, both belts will be on the line. This is just good all around for both guys. I mean, first, well, not only both guys, but also both promotions for All In, but also for NWA and for Ring of Honor as well. I mean, could you imagine if Cody Rhodes actually defeated Nick Aldis and was holding the ROH and NWA world titles? That would be just huge. Which, by the way, I definitely think Cody Rhodes is going to win the world title back from Dalton Castle, just because... As much as I like Dalton Castle, it's gotten old having him as the world champion because, like I said, a champion is only as good as the competition he has, and there isn't any. There's not enough contenders for him. And that's a big problem for anybody, no matter who you have as the champion. Now, one thing that I also wanted to talk about was was something that, well, with NXT. And this is the match that I think I'm looking forward to the most. More than Gargano versus Champion the Street Fight. More than Nikki Cross and Shayna Baszler. But this one, I think, is going to be the match that just steals the show and just blows the roof off the place. And that's the Velveteen Dream versus Ricochet. And I gotta say, every time I see Ricochet in the ring, and just what he does just leaves me in awe. It just defies belief. And having The Rock call you the future, it doesn't get bigger than that. But my god, I mean, just what he does is like... You can't help but have your mouth just drop open and wonder... How the hell did he do that? 
then again, he could just as easily say, say how it, how is it possible in the fact that AJ Styles turned 41. 41, and he can still move like he's 25 and put on matches as good as he ever did. I mean, it's like, you can't say that he's... I mean, it's like that he's in his prime because <laughs> I don't think he's touched his prime yet. I don't know if he ever will. Will he still be going like this at 50? But back to Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. I wasn't the biggest fan of Velveteen Dream at first. His match with Aleister Black was what won me over. And I have no doubt that we'll get the same effect when he takes on Ricochet at TakeOver Chicago. I mean, I just can't help but wonder what kind of show they'll give us, and this will probably be, you know, this is going to be a bold statement, but I'll go ahead and say it. This is going to be Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3 type proportions. That's how big I think this match is going to be. And, you know, last thing I want to talk about before I go to, um, before I go into other stuff to wrap things up, is about streaks and records in WWE. And shout out to Brian Waters for me, for bringing this up or for talking about it and giving me a chance or the idea to sound off on it myself. With the exception of the streak the Undertaker had at WrestleMania or Andre the Giant being undefeated for 15 years, or Samoa Joe when he was the, the ROH world champion for almost two years. I am not a fan of unbeaten streaks or title reign or records for title reigns. And lately I feel like WWE is more obsessed with them than they were than they are for the championships themselves. Example. Nikki Bella's record for, for holding the women's title. They basically did that to spite AJ Lee because she married CM Punk. They're having Brock Lesnar hold on to the universal title to break CM Punk's record for a, world, for a world title reign, even though that's not the belt that he held. But in terms of other... Exa- oh, and let's not forget um, the New Day with their, their record... For, for holding the tag team titles. But those are just a few examples. Let me give you a couple others. Rusev's undefeated streak when he first came into the main roster. Asuka's undefeated streak. At some point, they all get stale. Hell, Goldberg. Once he won the world title, everything went to hell for that streak because you couldn't put him against jobbers anymore because... He's the world champion. It just looks stupid doing that. I mean, how many times could you put him against the Giant, a.k.a. Big Show, or Brian Adams? How many times could you do that after he won the world title? The point is, is that streaks are not a good thing like they used to be. Especially undefeated streaks, because frankly, you run the risk of making things get stale quick and you're leaving it like the only way that the person can be defined is by a, 
their streak. It's taken a long while for Ruzef to recover from that. I'm still not certain if he truly has. But the bottom line is, WWE, get a clue. Nobody cares about records or streaks as much as you do, and most of the time when you're talking about records, you're breaking them out of spite, not because of some historical value. But anyway, we're, get, we're getting close to the end here, people. So with that being said, time for more knowledge from the mouth of the shark. Smile, you son of a bitch! Alright, one poll question that I threw out there was regarding Money in the Bank, and that's more likely to win their Money in the Bank match. Sasha Banks or Samoa Joe? And two people have answered on that one. One was my good friend Patrick, who said Samoa Joe, and Neil Harper, who also said Samoa Joe. Now, like I said earlier in the show, I definitely think that it would be a huge benefit if Samoa Joe wins and then takes the belt off of AJ Styles. Look, AJ is a, pop is a popular champion, Losing the belt will not hurt him. In fact, I guarantee you it will not hurt him. Because as popular as he is in being the champion, think of how popular he'll be when he's chasing to get it back. But not to mention, look at all the potential of who you could have feud with Samoa Joe when he takes the belt. You have Styles. You have Brian. Oh, good God, I just thought of that. Triple threat match, AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe. Oh, Sweet Lord. Can you just imagine that match? I mean, it does not get better than that. But if I, I, if, if I had to pick between the two, I would definitely say I would probably pick Samoa Joe on that one. Mostly because of the fact that um, Samoa Joe has yet to hold any kind of gold ever since coming up to the main roster, while Sasha has at least won the Raw Women's title on multiple occasions. So, for that reason, I'm going to say that I would agree Samoa Joe is who I'd pick over Sasha Banks. And the other question that I posted was, has 205 Live gotten better or worse and why? Shout out to my friend Brian, Brian Waters who said this, is that better. Those guys let loose on, on there. The problem is not many stuck around to see the action. Because he was at Raw this week. I should point that out. And said that when when they were here in Baltimore, I let a lot of people left. But the, but the people who stayed were into the matches. Let me say this. I did watch the match between Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy. And I gotta tell you. Putting the belt on Cedric Alexander was the right call. And remember when the, when the WWE fans were chanting during the Cruiserweight Classic for Triple H? The, these words, please sign Cedric. Triple H knew at that point there's money in Cedric Alexander. And that's exactly why he did get signed. So having him as the champion is the right call. I feel like in terms of story-wise, they're getting better with that. In terms of characters, they're also getting better with that. Having Drake Maverick, a.k.a. Rockstar Spud, as the quote-unquote GM, 
for 205 Live is also the right call. And that he's really serving his purpose in that role. And I think he it's gotten a lot better than it was about a year ago. I mean, <laughs> can't, let's face it, you want, when I said about how championship reigns and streaks get old, Neville, when he was the cruiserweight, cha- or when he was the cruiserweight champion, that got old because he had beaten everybody. And even when you had him lose the belt, you didn't have him lose the belt for much longer. And he, and you had plenty of potential. And you know when they had Austin Aries taking on Neville, you missed a golden opportunity, WWE, in having Austin Aries win the belt at Mania. Then again, I can understand that from stories I've heard, Austin Aries is a pain in the ass and has a bad attitude with just about everybody. So maybe in that sense, I can understand it. But still, it was a golden opportunity, and you kept the belt on Neville, and it was like you were almost afraid of having him lose it. But in any case, it's in better shape than it was in a year ago, and I see tremendous potential in where Cedric Alexander goes as the cruiserweight champion. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but at the moment, I would agree I'd say better. Anyway, people, that's going to do it for tonight. I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back next week talking more wrestling. And, of course, check me out on Podbean, and, of course, subscribe on iTunes. Of course, I have my groups on Facebook, The, the Shark Attack, where you catch a lot of my my thoughts on wrestling. And, of course, my other group, Variety Bites, where you'll find my as much as I talk about wrestling on this show and on The the Shark Attack. For Variety Bites, I save everything else, sports, entertainment, etc., for that show. So follow both those groups to check out my thoughts on everything from wrestling to sports. And I will see you guys next week. This has been The Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams, and I'm out.